Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. I'm Chuck. And uh, we are uh, we're having quiet time. We're having a little uh, alone time, <laughs> a little Chuck yeah, and Tom time this week. It's, it's a War Stories after dark. <laughs> guest, Barry Manilow. Hey. Uh, hey. No, we had a guest all lined up, and um, we were all set to record. And about 20 minutes before we were supposed to do the episode, uh, we got contacted and said, due to unforeseen circumstances, and it is a cool guest. You'll, you guys are going to really like it. Yeah. Um, but uh, we don't want to spill the beans. So uh, we're going to reschedule that one. But in the meantime, you get uh, you get us. And uh, we're, we have to do it today because, Chuck, you're, uh, you're heading out of the country. I am. And I tell that to people. Like, I feel special. I'm like, I'm going to be out of the country. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like. Yeah, it's like the first time I've ever really been able to use that in like a professional sense. So right. yes, I'm going to be out of the country for three days. Um, Do you want to tell everybody where you're going? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to uh, Mexico for three days. Um, right. On a cruise. So it's like. My buddy of mine's getting married and uh, he said, hey, do you want to come down to Mexico? I said, sure. I'll go to Mexico. And then I've never been. So, wait, never ever? No, I've never been to Mexico. Oh, and I'm like, hey, I can't do anything. My knee's all fucked up. My doctor Where said it's in, okay. I can go, but in what city? <clears throat> There's cities. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been. Uh, I have a worst papas in beer. Well, there's. I think there's a couple. Are, are you going to Ensenada or Tijuana or? Not Tijuana, Cabo, like San Lucas. Are you are you flying? No, we're cruising. It's just a cruise. Oh, the boot. That's right. That uh, the boots cruise. The like boots three cruise. day. It's not the one like I did. Yeah, it, they call it the uh, the Mexican Riviera. You do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done two of those. I've I've done uh, three and four. You do like um, a city one day, and then a day at sea, and then you go home. Yeah. So we're going to. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what this. I, Ensenada. You're going to Ensenada. I think it's in Sonoma. And I'm going to give you a pro tip. You ready? Don't drink the water. If, no, no, no. Well, yeah, that too. Um, when you get off the boat in Ensenada, look for the little, the, the people that are trying to get you to take their, their tour bus rides and find the one that's going to, you ready for this? And that, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, if you, if this is more of a locker room discussion, I guess, but uh, go to La Bufadora, which means the blowhole, right? And it's 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 like a, an actual natural water spout blowhole like they have in Hawaii and all those other places. I guess it's one of the largest ones on the continental uh, on the northern, you know, northern North American continent or whatever, I guess. I, I don't remember exactly the verbiage they use, but it's a it's a big one. And the, the bigger the the closest bigger ones are in Hawaii, I guess. Um, oh, that's cool. So my wife and I went there and they had a little shopping area and they had a two story margarita bar. Um, wow. With a slide so that you could go upstairs, get shit face drunk, and then take the slide down to the bottom level so you didn't, so the, you know, all the drunk gringos didn't hurt themselves going down the stairs drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but the cool part was on the lower floor, they had a freaking big cat petting zoo 
And my wife and I got to hold like baby Joe exotic t- petting zoo. Like we got to hold baby tigers and baby lions and baby panthers. And dude, it was, it was pretty dope. Baby panthers. Wow. Yeah. I'll send you pictures, but it That's was cool. It was pretty cool. Like, you know, you get to hold these big cats and pet them and play with them for, you know, a little while and big baby cats. Yeah. And that's on the bottom floor of a bar. So, you know, Mexico's rad. They're, they're doing something. Wow. Else. Yeah. I, I know we're, we're going to catch a, a ride. We're going to ride over to Papas and beer and then drink there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to be drinking that much because I am definitely afraid of what drinking in Mexico. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm legit scared. Like yeah. I, I'm a big deal, but I don't. I'm not armed. Yeah, we I'm not taking a knife. I'm right. I'm not don't bringing worry. anything. I don't. You can buy. Get off the boat. You can buy plenty of switchblades right there. You can walk <laughs> around with it and then just throw it in the trash before you get back on the boat. <laughs> right. Like I'm fucked, dude. It's 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 weird. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. Um, good group of dudes. <clears throat> At least I have one other copper with me. Um, yeah. That's a good. You have fun. You have a good. Time. That's a good thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so, fuck. <coughs> some <coughs> some blew in my throat. Uh, Mexican blowfly. Spit. <laughs> oh. Anyway, God. so uh, we ha- actually had something else that we were going to talk about uh, on a future episode, and we just kind of jumbled things around a little bit and shifted things, and we said we're going to move our guest. Our guest needs to be moved, so we're going to move one of our other discussion episodes up. And uh, we're going to talk about it today because um, something I've been wanting to talk about for a while and telling the listeners, you know, what, what kind of a debrief um, and discussion of Columbine. But I thought that would be perfect uh, to combine with something else that you wanted to talk about, which is um, what happened at this Uvalde school uh, in Texas. Yeah, I and, have some strong feelings up, upon that. Yes, I, I I do as well, and uh, I know mine are you. I please so so. Where should we start? Let's talk about the news today, as 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 of the recording of this podcast, which is a couple of days right. before it'll air. Um, this is the Wednesday before it airs, uh, and the chief of police for the uh, police is it the school district police department or is it just the police department in general? I couldn't. Um. I don't know. I think it's school district. I, I'm pretty sure it's the school district police. Let's see. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I watch the news every morning for like a few hours, like an old person. So let's see. Um, uh, I think it's the school. I'm, I'm looking at NBC News is uh, uh, Pete Arondo, Arredondo. Yeah. Sorry, Pete Arredondo. Arredondo who um, is the chief of the Uvalde, Texas school district police department. So yeah. He's a, okay. So, yeah. Right. so he's the school police chief. <clears throat> if I'm not placed mis- on administrative leave. Good. Uh, after good. more than a month of sharp criticism for his decision to delay confronting mm-hmm. the gunman in the deadly shooting that killed 19 children and two teachers. Absolutely. So why don't you, I know you've got some thoughts and some feelings. So why don't you explain what, 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 why, Let's let's talk about the circumstances that have come out since uh, that that awful right. atrocity. So we were waiting. We did the last episode like a month ago or something like that, three weeks ago. Um, 
<clears throat> and we were like, well, we'll comment on some of the things, but not all of it because we don't know. There's not a lot of information out. Right. And we didn't want to step on our own, you know, dicks. <clears throat> so we've done that enough times. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll err on the set of caution. Right. And kind of in a blanket statement of just policy and procedure tactics, right. stuff like that. Now more has come out. Um, and basically <clears throat> the timeline came out. I read the timeline and I, that made me sick to my stomach. And then you heard accounts and the people kept changing their stories. And I'm like, something doesn't seem right. Long story short, um, basically what had happened is the, the gunman killed his grandmother, shot her in the face. He then took the car, crashed the car, shot at some people that were just walking by the school, entered in the school through a propped open door that was just accidentally left open, which is unsettling. One. It's a bozo. No, no. But we get, we yeah, we get the fuck ups happen. People are human, whatever. That's not what I'm mad about. I mean, the school, I would, I'd be ringing the school big time because that's fucking horse shit. Um, but what I'm most mad about is that when shit started going south and uniformed officers started arriving on scene, <clears throat> they developed a plan and they, I guess, encountered the suspect, took some rounds from the suspect and then backed off because they just said it was unsafe. Right. And they were scared. And then so more accounts came out that he, the chief was like, no, we're going to wait for more. We're going to get more people. We're and we were hearing early reports like of this. Like, and that's one of the reasons why we didn't want right. to comment on it at the time, because we weren't sure what was fact and what was fiction. Exactly. And <laughs> enough of these have come out now that they're actually investigating it through Texas. Right. And, um, and the I believe chief is on administrative leave. And then, well, yeah, and one of the main people that's talking like on the news and the boards, I think he's former law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And he said something that I've been saying for this past since it happened mm -hmm. to me, to others, to mm -hmm. anyone who will listen. Yeah. We just haven't said it on the podcast. Law enforcement had ballistic armor, whether that be just a bulletproof vest or a full fucking Kevlar sappy plate uh, plate carrier that you had. Now they had armor. They had something right. to stop at least a round. Is it going to stop a five five six? Maybe, maybe probably not. not. Um, probably not. However, but they are armed and more equipped to yeah. deal with this than uh, Rifles, a school full rockers. of children. Those kids had nothing. They didn't have anything. And then, then, the, then what really pissed me off? A little girl called nine one one. Not once, not twice, but three fucking times. Asking for help, hearing police outside, wondering why they're not coming in. Right. Suspect mm -hmm. has shot rounds through the door, then had left, then came back and tried to get in the door and started pumping more rounds through the door. And she's right. looking at her fallen students, her fallen friends, dead. And then I don't know if other coppers on scene were like, well, we can't go against the chief. Fuck that. Go against the chief. Fuck the chief. At that point, fuck the chief. And if your partners are scared, fuck them too. You have I'm a, sorry, but there's a moral duty at some point, right? That's what you're talking about. I think is, yeah, there's, there's, you know, again, I've talked about this a couple of times, whereas, you know, my old man raised me to, to say, if it's not illegal, immoral, unethical, or against the law or against policy, then you just do it. Right. And that, dude, that's but a constant. In this that's case, like this is immoral mm, yeah, and, and unethical. And, 
they ask you that fucking question coming through the background process and the application process is what would you do if you encountered uh, an order from a supervisor that you do not agree with? And your answer is, if it's immoral and unethical, I will not follow it. Right. If it if it is moral and un, un, if it's moral and ethical, and I just don't like it, I'll do it. Right. But then I will calmly pull that person aside, away from public ear and away from other people's ear, and be like, "Hey, man, this is what I thought. This is why I didn't agree with it. This is why I didn't like it. I did it because you gave me the order." Once that becomes unethical and immoral, fuck you. I'm not doing it. Hold me, hold me, mm-hmm. whatever you want. But I can tell you this. You're going to be more afraid of me spilling the beans on what you just did than me facing your wrath because I guarantee you I'm going to fucking win. And and, it, and on the flip side, if it's if it's moral and ethical and it's in policy, sometimes it could even be out of policy, and you don't follow the order, <coughs> your department can fang you for insubordination. Yes, they can. They can. So sometimes sure. you have to follow the order and beef it later. But this isn't that. This isn't that scenario. No. This isn't the kind of scenario where you can say, well, I was just following orders. Well, we all saw how that worked for a bunch of Germans in 1945. Yeah. Like, no, and like, this is, this is, this is fucking horrible. And if you are stuck in a position like that and your partner officers are scared, it's okay for people to be scared. Being scared is a normal thing. It's a mm-hmm. natural human, human reaction. It lets right. you know you're still fucking alive. Fear right. is, lets you know you're alive. Right. However, you sign the you signed up you, you signed the dotted line you signed up for this job you know it's dangerous no one's ever asking you to commit suicide and go on a suicidal mission but let me tell you this if there are children involved put your fucking fear aside yeah you might get hit you might get shot this might be your last day on earth but just know that if you don't act there are going to be countless lives last day on earth that are children that don't deserve this shit that that have done nothing wrong they're innocent mm-hmm. They're innocent. And if you think it, and put it this way, if, if you can go to sleep at night and be like, I'm okay with my decision, that's you. If you're like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to live with this. Well, you need to speak the fuck up and do something about it because this ain't right. This is not right. And I've, I've bit my tongue on it. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm law enforcement, right? You're retired law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And I always want to err on the side of why well, I don't want to spout my mouth off because I don't want to, you know, blackball my brothers Monday and my sisters for doing the Lord's work. Exactly. Without knowing all the facts, enough facts have come out to where I'm confident to be like, this is bullshit. And if you didn't fucking enter, I don't give a shit about what your excuse is at this point, because excuses are like assholes. Everyone has them and they all smell like shit. Well, this one smells like shit big time. And if you didn't, if you didn't enter because, oh, your chief said, or your supervisor said you can't enter, <laughs> dude, no, uh-uh. at that point, you have to, you have to to look at at this and be like what are they gonna do fire me no mm-hmm. they're not gonna fire me because kids are fucking dying yep. and thank god for the two border patrol officers one a lot of misinformation has come out on this one big time been all fucked up however the bortac agent right who went in tacked up because he heard it over the air and responded he said no no, no fuck you i'm going in now there may have been some officers in the school but they weren't engaging because they were scared and they're like, we're pinned down or whatever. We can't, you, you have to do something. You have to figure it out. It's a fluid situation. You have to shoot, move, communicate, you know, um, you know, suppress a fire, keep the person's head down, whatever this, this agent decided, you know, fuck this. I'm going in. He took a round to the head and then killed the suspect. The other border patrol officer 
was getting his fucking haircut. His wife, who is a teacher at the school, calls him and says, there's an active shooter. He goes, got it. Grabs his bartender's fucking shotgun or the store owner's shotgun of the barbershop. Leaves, Mm -hmm. goes there and enters the school and gets out a bunch of children, gets his daughter out, makes sure his daughter is safe. And like, thank God for those two men, because it took two men, one who was not, had no armor, just armed himself with a shotgun. And the other one who did have armor in the car went in by themselves. And you're telling me that you were all tacked up there. You're taking rounds. You're, you're, you're actively engaged with a, with a suspect and and you're not doing anything. And you're just going to sit there and be like, well, we're going to wait. Yeah. Listening to kids getting smoked. Well, That's so I looked right. it up. I looked it up to get some facts. Okay. Okay. And this is coming from uh, the source is the Texas Tribune. And this is an article that um, says, uh, let's see. Officers in Uvalde were ready with guns, shields, and tools, but not clear orders. The officers in the hallway of Rob Elementary, uh, this is all based on, um, I guess, Texas Department of Public Safety, FBI. They basically reviewed transcripts, right. recordings, dispatch tapes, like interviews, freaking security footage. They know six ways to Sunday what happened. Right. Um, they, Texas Tribune has reviewed law enforcement transcripts and footage that federal and state investigators are examining after the May 24th tragedy. Uh, the officers in the hallway of Rob Elementary wanted to get inside classrooms 111 and 112 immediately. One officer's daughter was inside. Another officer had gotten a call from his wife, a teacher who had told him she was bleeding to death. Two closed doors and one wall stood between them and an 18-year-old with an AR-15 who had opened fire on children and teachers inside the connected classrooms. A Halligan bar, for those of you who don't know, that's the the Halligan tool the firefighters use to pry doors open and and cops will use on tactical teams to pry doors open. Looks like a freaking, it's like a nightmare. Massive crowbar. crowbar, Yeah. Right. Um, Baseball bat crowbar. Yeah, exactly. Um, a, A Halligan bar was available. Ballistic shields were already arriving on scene. Uh, they had plenty of firepower, including at least two rifles, and several officers were, were itching to move in. One such officer, a special agent at the Department of Public Safety, arrived around 20 minutes after the shooting started and immediately asked, are there still kids in the classroom? And he, he said, if there is, then they just need to go in. And another officer answered, well, it's unknown at this time. And the agents apparently said back to him, y'all don't know if there's kids in there. If there's kids in there, we need to go in there. And the officer said, whoever is in charge will determine that. Fuck no. 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 Okay. So in policies and procedures, when it comes to major tactical roles in, in situations, the incident command system exists. Okay. For a reason. However, if you are not capable of giving orders during uh, an ICS, an incident command systems uh, tactical um, incident, you are no longer in charge of that scene. If you cannot, if you cannot control it, you are no longer in charge of that scene. The person on scene with the most tactical and sound judgment and experience is the one who will take control. It does not matter if he's a officer a training officer, a corporal, however you want to do it, a captain, a lieutenant, 
a fucking chief, a deputy chief, a commander. It doesn't matter. And I, those are all jumbled in. They're not in order. Mm -hmm. So it does not matter if you have a chief that's on scene and he has, he's a paper pusher. doesn't know anything. He does not tactically sound. He is not going to be the one who's going to be doing the tactical side of things. The one who has the most tactical experience in these situations will take charge. And you are well within your right to be like, sir, excuse me, with all due respect, that's not working. And if you have an issue, we can talk to you about it later because we Mm -hmm. have lives on the line. There's lives at stake. There's children at stake. We are entering now. If you don't like it, sit back. You can fucking try to fire me later. Whatever. Bring me up on a board of rights. I don't care. We are going to enter. I'm taking these two fire teams. We will have another team out here designated for triage and medical. If we need someone to come in, we'll have another fire team on standby for medical evacuations and officer down and, and, uh, and other people that we need to get out that are, have life-threatening injuries out and they will come in and do so. These things exist for a fucking reason. And protocols, they're standardized active shooter protocols. I, I was trained on them. I taught them. I've like, it's, it's not, it's not. And, and we'll, this is where we'll get into the second part of our discussion because this all stems back from the response to Columbine and some of the mistakes that were made there and the things that we learned from that. And so, so here is, I don't know if you know about these, Chuck, but this is uh, key findings. It says uh, key findings from records that were obtained during the investigation. Now, there's, they've tried to have closed door hearings. They're trying to keep the press out of this investigation because I think the school district and knows the police department shit the bed on this one. I, I, is my trying to get away from doxing and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, these are some key findings that this news reporter found through the course of doing, you know, investigative journalism. Uh, the chief of police for Uvalde said that his officers tried the doors to room 111 and 112, found that they were locked and were waiting on a master key to go in. Give a fuck that, was what, that was what he said. Well, that's so security footage from inside side the school showed um, police officer. No security footage from inside the school showed police officers attempting to open the doors to classroom 111 and 112, which were connected by an adjoining door. Uh, the chief told the Tribune that he tried to open one door and another group of officers tried to open another, but that the door was reinforced and impenetrable. Those attempts were not caught in the footage reviewed by this reporter. Some law enforcement officials are skeptical that the doors were ever locked. Now, let's just for the locked. sake of argument say they were locked. When the first minutes of law enforcement response, an officer said the Halligan tool that we just discussed was on scene. Fire trucks have Halligan tools. Every if even if you don't have a breaching kit in your police car. I'm telling you right now, boys and girls, if you're driving a black and white and you get to a critical incident, go over to the freaking fire guys and get the Halligan tool and then have somebody watch a YouTube video on how to set a pick with a ram and breach. It's not hard. It's like opening a freaking crate. Okay. Yeah, it's very easy. Yeah. Um, So uh, the, the Halligan wasn't brought into the school until an hour after the first officers entered the buildings and mm. they didn't they didn't use the halligan they waited for keys oh uh, no 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 yeah. no 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 officers had access to four 
not just bulletproof vests, not just uh, flak jackets, not just stappy plates. They had access to four ballistic shields inside school during the standoff with the gunmen. Four ballistic mm. shields. Mm-hmm. The mm. first, yeah, the first ballistic shield arrived 58 minutes before the officers mm. stormed the classroom. The last of the four ballistic shields arrived a full 30 minutes before the officers stormed into the classroom. Guess what? Uh, now you have a fucking ballistic shield and you can mm-hmm. make entry because now you're a point. Yep. Uh, multiple Department of Public Safety officers, up to eight at one point, entered the building at various times while the shooter was holed up. Many quickly left to pursue other duties, including evacuating children after seeing the number of officers already there. At least one of the officers expressed confusion and frustration about the why the officers weren't breaching the classroom, but was told that no order to do so had been given. Um, again, Chuck covered this. You don't need an order to go in and save the kids. The standard protocol. You're no, and, first. You're in charge. So, <clears throat> my biggest gripe is with this chief. He's incompetent. I think I saw somewhere, and I could be wrong, um, that he was trying to get elected in some other office or some other position. That could have been a reason why he was hesitant. Um, I, I don't know for facts on that, so don't quote me on it. <clears throat> However, mm-hmm. um, my second gripe is with officers not making. Um, a tactical decision to do something and just sitting there. Um, now, I'm not sitting here being like, oh, well, Texas this, Texas cops suck. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying at all. I love all my brothers and my sisters as cops and every state. Do some make bonehead mistakes? Absolutely. Are some bad cops? Yes. Um, are most great outstanding cops? Absolutely. My problem is, is not knowing the job that's above you because everybody should need to know just like in the military and they taught us this in law enforcement you need to know the job ahead of you and two Mm -hmm. more because if something happens and someone goes down you need to be able to take that over and if you have a bunch of people with all the same mindset someone's gonna be able to take it over and if no one's taking it over you need to be that person to to stand up and be like okay this is what we're doing we're gonna get this team this team and we're gonna make entry <clears throat> if you're afraid to do so, you're off the fucking team. Give me someone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you only have three dudes to make entry, that's all you need. Okay. Two to make entry, three to, or three to make entry, two to search. Cause you have to have one person to, to hold down uh, fields of Avenue, fields of fire, things like that to cover your back and two to search of a fucking room because, because to safely clear a room, you need at least two officers the moment you start encountering bigger obstacles inside of a room, then you call in a trailer, you call in a third. If you need more people, you call another fire team. That way you have your back covered. That way no one comes up behind you. Mm-hmm. In these situations, and we covered it last time when we talked, if you hear shooting, you hear fire, you need to go to the sound of that fire. The moment it stops is when you slow down and you go into a, a methodical search. The moment you hear it again, you go towards it. It's an active, faster search moment it stops, you slow down and you start searching because now you're looking for that person bed down. These are the things that you need to learn. And I know a lot of agencies are teaching it. I can't speak for every agency on the, the, on the, in the continental United States. I cannot speak for all of them because I don't know their training and their tactics and things like that. I, I don't know what they're being taught. However, I do know for a fact 
that the standards of active shooters are being taught. And if you are not following them, there is something fucking wrong. And it comes down to this. If you can sleep at night knowing you did everything possible, then you're probably making the right decisions. If you have any doubt or any question, there's probably something fucking wrong and it needs mm -hmm. to be addressed and it needs to be corrected. And if you are going to take flack for that later, like you take charge and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to take the heat. That's a true leader. That's what a true leader does. They take charge and they're like, I'll accept whatever consequences come because I know this is right. I know this is moral. I know this is ethical. And I know I'll be able to sleep at night. And that's what matters mm -hmm. because I'm going to go and I'm going to take the suspect down or I'm going to try. And that's what you need to do. Not, oh, we're waiting on word. That's a piss poor excuse. And I'm sorry. And I, I don't really care if it offends anyone because I'm a cop and I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to comment on this because I've been in hairy situations. I've been in, um, an actor shooter scenario. I've been in shootings. I've been in these intense situations as I'm sure you have Tom. And so we are probably more qualified to speak on this than, than, than most people. And if it upsets us, it should upset you. And if it's upsetting you because you're a police officer, you're like, Oh, this is, this is not cool. You should you're be right. upset. It's not cool. It's not cool. So let's, let's back up a little bit and talk about, cause you said that this is standard training and that's being done and you're right. And the reason it's being done is because of uh, Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado. That's what's and it. that's so. Um, let, let me let me back up a little bit because we all we've talked about Charles Whitman and the um, climbing of the bell tower or the clock tower with the high powered rifle in the sixties. It's one of the first like you know documented school active shooter type scenarios that in within our modern history and he was picking off college students with a sniper rifle or a hunting rifle, scoped hunting rifle from the top of this tower. And what got him, what stopped him were two cops that decided independently of one another, single officers deciding independently of one another. They needed to get to the top of this tower and kill Charles Whitman before he killed another person. And they did. Yeah. That's what they, they independently of one another. They, they said, okay, fuck this. They had their little, because they were wheel guns at the time. They had their revolvers. They stormed the, the tower to get this guy with a hunting rifle with their revolvers. And they aggressed the threat. Subsequently, you end up with, you know, things like the, the Black Panthers and the, uh, the SLA shootout and some of these other crazy events that have happened that created the need for a SWAT team, Special Weapons and Tactics, right? LAPD pioneered the SWAT team in the late 60s. Um, in fact, fun, quick, funny story. Uh, it was called SWAT because a, uh, young, a young inspector who was soon to be the chief of LAPD named Daryl Gates said, we're going to call it the special weapons attack team. And the chief at the time said, mm, yeah, I don't think we should have the word attack in the name. And so he said, but I like the acronym SWAT. So what do we call it? And then it became special weapons and tactics. Right. Yeah. So that all came out of LAPD. And these were guys that brought gear home from Vietnam. These were guys that had their private equipment. These are guys that were, you know, they, they, they pioneered taking, you know, a telescoping uh, tool for mechanics and, and duct taping a mirror on the end of it to be able to see around corners and, you know, shit like that. Well, that the, the, the rule became throughout the seventies and eighties, Surround, contain, call SWAT, right? Right. Because they 
felt that SWAT teams were better equipped to handle these kinds of situations as the criminals were getting more emboldened, seeing things like the SLA shootout and the Black Panthers and stuff on the news. Um, well, throw on a call out, contain, you know, let SWAT handle it. That was fine and dandy until Columbine happens. And right. now you have two assholes loose in a school with firepower. Mm-hmm. And one of the things most people don't understand fundamentally about Columbine, and I've read several books on the subject. One book is amazing. Um, it really does a good job of detailing both what happened and then debriefing the mindset of everybody involved, including the two killers. Um, but explains that Columbine was not, strictly speaking, a school shooting. Columbine was a failed bombing. Mm-hmm. And the original intent of those two little shit stains was to take their propane bombs that they had manufactured and put them around the columns, support columns in the cafeteria that was directly below the library, which they did. And then their goal was to set up interlocking fields of fire in the parking lot when the bombs detonated at lunch, bringing the library down on top of the cafeteria that would cause the students to flee the school. And then they would use the military tactic of interlocking fields of fire to mow down kids as they ran out into the parking lot. Then they would shoot it out with police in the parking lot, get killed themselves. And then they had their car booby trapped. So when everything was calmed down and the paramedics and the police were trying to mop up and stuff like that, their, their cars would detonate and they would kill more people after they were dead. That was their plan. Their bombs failed miserably. And uh, I read a I read a blurb from a bomb disposal guy who examined their bombs and said, I know exactly what they did wrong. I know the mistake they made. I know why the bombs didn't go off. Um, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but if those bombs had gone off, it would have been 10 times bigger of an explosion than even they thought. They had no idea how big the bombs were that they made. Wow. And what ended up happening is these two little bit stains, they the bombs didn't go off. So they stormed the school and just started shooting people. Right. Right. As they're in the school shooting people, cops show up surround the school and call SWAT because that's what they were trained to do. Right. They didn't know what else to do. And not a single cop among them was empowered or thought to say, you know what, guys, I'm not waiting for SWAT. Let's just get a little team together and go get these guys. Right, because that's right. what the training at the time was. Because the, the training at the time was surround, contain, call SWAT. <clears throat> Rightfully so, parents groups and the community and everybody watched as they realized that there were, you know, dozens of armed police officers sitting outside a school while two high schoolers were able to go from classroom to classroom murdering people. Yeah. And said, that's not right. These people should not not. be bleeding out. These people should not be dying. These people should not be able to kill more people when there are plenty of armed first responders. The key is first responders. That means you go first. That means you go first. That are outside the school waiting to go in. And so the doctrine began to change. And the doctrine became, if there is an active shooter hence the name if there is an active threat if there is gunfire you aggress the threat as quickly as possible i was trained you step over the wounded you step over the dead the only thing you do 
is you find out when you pat when when somebody's coming towards you, you find out if they're a friend or foe. And if they're friend, you pass them <clears> off. <throat> and the last guy in the stack maybe escorts them out if you have enough people. If not, you just say keep running. They point in the right direction. Head towards the shooting. And, and <clears throat> when you get there, you engage the suspect. <clears throat> so two things stemmed from this. And LAPD uh, leads the way in tactics and training in the continental United States. They have for a very long time. Yep. It is not, it's not new. You can it's, say it's what you that, want about them as a department. <clears throat> they, yeah. they lead the way in they have, training. They lead the way in tactics. They, they, they really have do. It. Yeah. And so two things that came from that one uh, addressing the threat, like Tom just said um, during active shooters. <clears throat> and then when they encounter that suspect, and they think that there is any type of life on the inside that is in danger. They enter, they do not wait for SWAT, and then they engage right. the suspect inside. Now, the time that you call SWAT, you're on another incident. Say you have an armed suspect inside of a home, whether it be domestic violence, robbery, home invasion, robbery, uh, whatever, burglary or, or whatever. <clears throat> and you know that the suspect is armed or could be armed. You make entry, and the moment you engage that suspect and say he... Either he could take shoot some rounds at you and then he locks himself into a room and you for a fact know without a doubt, without a reason, a shadow of a doubt, know there is no one in that room. And mm-hmm. he has now locked himself in that room. Hence the term barricaded suspect. Right. Once That's he becomes a, a barricaded situation. right. Once he becomes a barricaded suspect and there's no one else, you could have people in like an apartment building and in neighbors and stuff, but if he is alone in that, like let's give it an apartment and he is alone in the apartment, you mm-hmm. hold the door. You evacuate all the surrounding units. Mm-hmm. If he mm-hmm. comes out and engages, you put him down. You engage the threat. You stop the threat. <clears throat> and then you wait for SWAT. If he does not come out and you know he's in there, you know he's armed. That's when you call for SWAT. That's when you give a call, SWAT call out. That's when SWAT responds. And they ask you those questions because I've been on the phone with SWAT um, at my agency. And they ask you the questions. Okay. Is he armed? Yes. Is he barricaded or has he locked himself into a room or a a structure or something? Yes. Do you have him surrounded? Yes. Is there anybody inside? No. Okay. Give us 10 minutes. Right. We'll be rolling lights and sirens or give us 20, whatever the time is. Right. So in Uvalde, had this dude, had, had this kid gone into the janitor's closet or the boiler room or whatever, and the school could say verifiably, A, there's no way out other than these two exits right. B we know there's no one in that room period end of story because the only people that have access to it have already been accounted for right and C you guys have both of those entrance and exits covered and there is no shooting going on and that's when a surrounding that is a yes oh. that is a static situation it has gone right. from active to static now I'll <clears throat> give you a perfect example the first active shooter training I ever went to first one was uh we had a we had a mock school that was built and we were able to you know go in and handle the scenario they they said okay go and as soon as we op- they opened the door to the training room this big mock school and we had simunitions you know we had guns with with uh, small uh ballistic rounds filled with paint and uh we could fire them out of you know berettas and glocks and ar15s and all that kind of stuff Right. And we entered and we formed the diamond formation. And I, I was very brand new young cop. I probably had less than a year on the job. And um, 
they start playing rock music and, and alarm bells and mm-hmm. smoke, and they want to simulate a very chaotic environment to make right. you have to make decisions, right? Just disorient you, disorient you and have, and, and try and heighten your jack you up, get your adrenaline flowing and make you have to make some decisions in that heightened state. And as we approached a T intersection of a hallway, uh, I was the, I was on the right. So diamond formation, there's a point man. There's a guy on the left, guy on the right. I'm on the right. And a bunch of kids or actors portraying kids came running out screaming. Now, Granted, we don't know who's kids and who's adults because everybody's wearing protective gear, right? You're supposed to make decisions based on what you see. Right. But I knew a bunch of people came out running and screaming and they turned left down the hallway away from us. And then from that T intersection, the last person to come out was not screaming. His hands were not up. He was wearing a military style field jacket and I could see his arms were in a position to be holding a rifle. Right. And I could see a part of the rifle's receiver as he went around the corner. And I just, bop, bop, bop. I put three rounds in his back because he turned the left corner and he was running away from me. And I put three mm-hmm. rounds center mass right into his back. And as soon as I put three rounds center mass into his back, he went down. The lights came on. The music went off and they called the scenario. And I still remember to this day, the instructor who was a, a SWAT team member, he was playing the suspect. He was the guy I had shot in the back. So he stands up and he says, Hey, you shot me in the back. I said, You're damn right I did. Okay, you're right. And he says, So why'd you do that? And now bear in mind, I was the only one that shot him. Right. And he, goes, he says, You shot me in the back. I said, Yeah. And he goes, Were you the only one? I said, I don't know. I know I shot you in the back. And everybody else said, No, I didn't shoot him. He goes, Why'd you shoot me in the back? And I said, Well, number one. You were the only one not screaming with your hands up. Number two, you clearly, to me, were holding a weapon. And number three, you were chasing those children. So you were going to murder them. So I put you down. And he looked at the other people in the class and he goes, that's the right answer. Yep. You can shoot someone in the back. It's escape from a violent fleeing felon if their actions, I mean, you not stop their actions. And their actions are going to persist and end more life. You are allowed to shoot them running away from you. And that's, is, that's, that was a hairball scenario. It's there's a lot of things was, coming at you. And yes, I could have been wrong, but I was pretty sure was I wasn't. That? Oof, that was 2002. 2003. Okay, so 2002. This was only and three years after Columbine. 2022. This is 10 years later. Right. So 20 many years later. Have evolved. Oh, my God. 20 years later. You're right. Oh, my God. My yeah. math is horrible. That's probably the beer. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but 20 years later, uh, math for Marines. 20 years later, things have evolved so much that, and and a lot of it has stayed the same with like stuff like that. Like we did our active shooter scenarios in schools, Mm -hmm. actual schools that were, you know, they were shut down or there was summer break or whatever. We went into the schools and we did it because that was going to be the most likely area that you're going to encounter someone like that. And then it has since evolved into malls, things like that to give you a brighter um, array of yes uh tactical environment because any any target rich environment can right. have an active shooter churches fucking churches. schools we've seen it at churches we've at schools we've seen it at parks we've seen i mean it, it could be mine anywhere was, where people congregate mine was a fire fucking facility yeah a fire station a big one and <laughs> dude that thing was massive and we didn't wait we went in 
Right. We went in and we did a slow methodical search because we didn't hear gunshots at the time. We knew someone was there armed. They were going to kill firefighters and we went in. But as soon as you hear pop, 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 your, your pace is going to quicken. You're, you're fucking going. Yeah. yeah. You're going and you're going straight towards the sound. Um, it's like three stages. It's like <clears throat> I hear gunfire. I'm running towards it. I don't hear gunfire. I'm, I'm doing methodical search, but I'm still right. moving. I know where the guy is. He's barricaded. No one else can get hurt. I'm going to stop and hold. Those, and those another, are like the three stages. <clears throat> exactly. And another thing on that surround and call out, which is in the name, is surround, call out. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not surround, wait for SWAT. You do have to make a call out multiple times. Hey, this is whatever agency. This is you know the city of whatever police department. Come out with your hands up. And you do it multiple times. You do it mm-hmm. in English. You do it in Spanish. Whatever the language is most popular in the area and then the primary language. Mm-hmm. You do it in both of those so that there's not any mistake that you did not give the person an opportunity to come in because once SWAT goes in, if they present a weapon, they're getting shot. Like right. it is what it is. Like it's just that's what's going to happen, you know. Um, and a lot of times they give up and SWAT goes in, take them out, and uh, you have an arrest. But that is imperative to round and call out. And if you're not doing these things, you know, and and I. I'm going to say it and I really don't care what other people's opinions are. If Throw you it go down to this, huh? Throw it down, stick it out. Okay. There. <clears throat> I'm going to stick it somewhere. If you got into this job for the medical, the dental and the pay and the benefits, get the fuck wrong. Out. If you got on this job to help people, you're right. Okay. The medical, the dental, the medical, the dental and the benefits and the pay that comes later, especially with time. Yeah, those things if are a, you, a reward for being the kind of person that will go exactly. into a school and murder fucking assholes with fucking prejudice. Right. And if and that didn't sound right, but you know, no, I mean. it didn't. If you, those are rewards for those who do the Lord's work and put their lives in front of others that they do not know and are right. willing to put someone down that is doing harm yeah. to others. And you got to be the tip of the spear. <laughs> yeah. And <clears throat> if, if you are in this job, and you are afraid. It's okay to be afraid. But if it's yep. hindering your ability to do your work, you need to stop. You need to resign. You need to pull your pen, retire. Um, you you need to to move on because yep. this job is not gonna be for you. And I tell that to brand new boots who come on and I ask them, Are you afraid to get into a fight? Are you afraid to shoot somewhere? Are you afraid to kill someone? If their answer is yes, I'm like, this job isn't for you, and you should right. quit because yep. you are now putting the citizens' lives in danger. And now you are putting my life in danger and your partner's lives in danger because we, to the left and to the right of us, we need to be, be able to, uh, to count on our partners to do the fucking job, no matter what. And if you're, if you're listening to this and like, that's fucked up, I don't give a shit because people's lives are on, on the line. And mm-hmm. if, if you just got in because you wanted a pension and you wanted to, you know, you wanted a, a safe career because of the recessions and stuff that it, that happened in 2008, 2009, 10, get whatever, get out because this isn't for you. Because I know when I joined, I was making $30,000 a year, 35 or 38. Mm-hmm. And I could barely, I could barely make it. And I eventually ended up making good money. And part of me thought like, fuck dude, like, man, I'm not making any money. Maybe I should just fucking go find a better paying job. And I thought like, no, fuck that. I want to help people. And I don't mind stepping in front of someone. Yeah, you and, think you're going to get paid shielding the them that I don't know. 
And yeah, and and you know what it, it is ridiculous, and we're getting into this. And we talked about it last time. We've talked about it before. The type A personality in policing has gone away because a lot of agencies are like, "Oh, we don't want that. Oh, we don't want this. We want the college guy that that is got you know degrees and shit like that." No, no, that's not who you need as as a fucking police officer. You need someone who's not going to stray away from violence, not going to stray away from dangerous situations and scenarios you want those who are going to run towards it while everybody is running away right and there are a lot of people who've gone to college who are fucking made for this shit and they do it great and they're smart and that's not who i'm talking about i'm talking about agencies the FBI. who who are like no we don't want military we don't want veterans we don't we don't want the guys who who we think might be a risk management issue okay well as long as their background's clean and there's nothing wrong and they don't have any psych issues how are you passing judgment onto them? And that's a shame on you because now you are left with people who are afraid to do the job. And I say this because I have come in contact with people who are afraid to do the fucking job. And mm-hmm. I've told that to them to their face mm-hmm. because just like bad cops, we will find the ones and root them out if they are bad and doing criminal acts. And we want them to pay for those actions. Yeah. There's, there's no one who hates a dirty cop more than a cop. Like, yep. The good cops hate the yep. dirty ones because it gives us yep. a black eye and it gives us a bad name. Yep. There's no one more who who does not like weak-minded individuals or cops more than cops who are yep. not, who are fucking, this is my job. I'm okay to do it. I say goodbye to my wife and, and my kids tonight. I gave them a kiss. I said, I'll see you tomorrow, hopefully. And I went on to work because I know that there's a possibility every time I throw that suit on every time I throw that vest on every time I pin my badge, every time I, I lace my boots up, I know there is a possibility that I'm not coming home. Yep. And that should be your mindset. Every fucking day you go into work because this is not a job. This is your career. This is your lifestyle. It doesn't just leave you when you go. Yeah, it's home. a calling. It's a calling. And those who think it does is fucking wrong. It does. It does not. It stays with nope. you. If it, and if it does, then you're doing it wrong. Like this so. shit is like, it's so, it angers me so much because there are so many innocent lives lost and it, it, it angers it, you it because if off. you'd have been there, it would have been different. It angers 100%. you because if, if these guys were held accountable, it would have been different. It angers you because people who lost their lives didn't have to. It angers you because you expect a certain level from yourself and you don't want anyone else that is doing any less than what you expect from yourself. It, it angers me because I know for a fact, and we have, I've done this in person. My partners have done this, a group of us that are work every shift together. If we saw something fucked up, regardless of the supervisor or not, we speak up. If it's dangerous, we speak up and go, we're not doing it that way. We're going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about it later. But right now this is the most tactically sound thing. And, and most good supervisors go, you know what? You're fucking right. Let's do it your way. I got comms. Great. You got fucking comms. Get in the back. We don't need you hurt. You need to call if, if we have any type of, we need an, uh, a rescue ambulance to come in. We need whatever we need, whatever, whatever we need, whatever resources we need. That's on you. We're going in. We are in the front. We're doing this. And yep. most good supervisors go, you know what? You're fucking right. Hey, this is your guys' show. I'm just here to make sure that nothing crazy goes on. And if something does, I'm here to, to, to come in the air. Got it. Yep. 
And that's a good supervisor. And that's the ones who allow their officers to make these decisions. When you have a fucking chief that comes in, he's like, no, I'm sorry. If our chief was to come in and be like, no, nah, we're not doing it that way. And it's like something like this. I'm sorry. He's not going to get listened to. And yep. the hard charging coppers are going to go in and we're going to take whatever comes towards us at the end administratively, because we know that at the end of the night, at the end of the day, we did everything in our power to have a, a, a good outcome or a better outcome than what if we, we just waited and we know we'll be able to sleep just a little bit better. We might not be able to sleep great because of whatever we may see or whatever we may do, but we know that if we did not take but action, at least it won't be on us. It would have been way better. This is a way better outcome. Well, I think so, that's a perfect place to leave off. it because anymore. And we might fly to Texas <laughs> and beat the shit out of a chief who's on admin leave. Oh my God, dude, that guy, this guy is Jesus fucking dude. ridiculous, dude. Yeah. The more and, I read about him, uh, it's terrible. Like, like I'll, I'll talk to you better, but you guys just go look the stuff that this God. guy said is so ridiculous, but it's, it's, anyway. it should anger you. Well, have a good time in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it should be fun. And uh, I, I do have a dedication tonight. Great. Great. I'm going to go ahead and say it. This dedication is not singular. It's not for one person. It's for a group of children and teachers in Univald, Texas. Yep. Rest easy. Yep. And we're sorry that uh, yeah. that the cops that showed up for 77 minutes didn't do their well. jobs. Yeah. They showed up and weren't there at the same time. So this episode is dedicated to the innocent 19 children and two teachers in Uvalde who didn't have to die. And I don't know which ones didn't did or didn't. I don't know how many could have been saved. Uh, maybe all of them, maybe none of them, but I know that because of the response of those officers, um, will, and the chief, especially, uh, we'll never know. So. Yeah. And thank you to the fucking two border patrol officers who stood up and did the right thing. Fuck. Yeah. Hard chargers. Both of them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, until our <sighs> next episode, come home with your shield or on it. <laughs>